Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Turn to Ephesians 5 and we'll be there in just a moment. You know, uh, meteorologists spent years trying to figure out a way to help people understand the difference between uh, a tornado watch and a tornado warning because a warning is much more serious, but it didn't sound as serious to people, so they didn't know exactly how to handle it. Well, a tornado watch means that all of the ingredients for a tornado, for a tornado are ready to build up to a tornado, but they haven't seen one yet. Tornado warning means that one has built up and they've seen it in your area, therefore you need to head to your shelter immediately. And then a genius came up with a concept to help people understand this truth. Here it is, a taco watch. (laughs) A taco watch means all of the ingredients are there, but nobody's built up a taco yet. But a taco warning means that it's all together and there it is. I don't know why this resonated with me. (laughs) Tacos are my favorite food. But uh, this morning, this section of Ephesians 5 we're going to look at also includes a watch and a warning. So uh, let's read a couple verses from Ephesians 5, and we'll talk about those, and then we'll read a little bit more. In uh, chapter 5 and verse 15 of the book of Ephesians, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So first you need to watch, you need to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. This picture is of the secret service and secret service agents near the presidential limousine and they're being alert to any potential dangers before that danger builds up into a threatening situation. And God wants you to go through life circumspectly. Well, what does circumspectly mean? It means that you're looking around, that you're careful and deliberate in your manner, that you're observing things around you, and that you're intentionally avoiding anything that would not be wise. Now, those of you who have learned to drive a car, then you already know what it means to be circumspect because This is what you have to do when you drive a car. And if you can no longer do that, you need to stop driving, please, okay? Uh, So what do you do? When you drive, you look around and you observe things. So you look out the front, you look at the cars out there, you look out your side windows, you pay attention to those, you uh, have mirrors on the left side. And those of you who are older, it used to be just center mirror and left side mirror, and they added the right side mirror. I don't remember what year, but it sure was brilliant. My, our first two cars didn't have a right side mirror. And so the mirror's on the left and the right and the center, and you watch the traffic that's out in front of you. You watch traffic that's coming the other way. In America, it's over here, and in England, it's over there. And, and you watch uh, the traffic coming. You watch traffic coming up behind you. You watch traffic coming in from side streets. 
um, traffic merging from the right or the left. You watch for pedestrians and animals out in the way. And you, you know, when Kathy and I were newlyweds, her sister knew that I, I'm not fond of cats. My sister had obnoxious cats growing up, and so I'm not fond of cats. And we were in the road one day, and Kathy's older sister was visiting us, and we're driving along, and there was a cat, and I joked like I accelerated. There's a cat, you know? And then the cat, of course, darted out of the way, and it was fine. And, and Kathy turned to her sister and said, rats, he got two of them last week. <laughs> And her sister's like, what happened to my sister when she married this crazy man? I have never injured a cat, okay? Never intentionally injured a cat. So pedestrians, you watch for them. You pay attention to them. I, I, I would even break for a cat if it ran out in the road in front of me. Not as hard as I'd break for a dog, but that's okay. <laughs> so you're also watching for weather patterns and you're watching for road hazards and you listen to the sounds your car's making and you hear this thunking getting louder, you know there's an issue. And you listen to the sounds of other cars, you listen to uh, the road construction, you listen to sirens, uh, you listen to all the activity going on so you're observing with your eyes, with your ears, you're sensing things and you respond appropriately. And if traffic's not too busy or not too crazy, you might listen to a podcast or an audio book or the radio. But when traffic gets heavy, you turn that off so you can just focus on the driving. That's called circumspectness. That's how we have to drive. And God wants us to live that way, to pay attention to what's going on around us, to watch and walk circumspectly, not as fools, but is wise. Then verse 16 includes the warning. Verse 16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The warning, the days are evil. You see the evil all around you. As storm chasers chase tornadoes, you and I can see when things are building up and when there's problems and there's issues. And and so you take appropriate precautions. Proverbs 23, sorry, Proverbs 22, verse 3 says, A sensible or prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple or naive keep going and suffer for it. You, you see it coming, and then you move away. You turn away. You step away to avoid it. See, what we need to do is to walk in wisdom. We need to walk with wisdom going on in our heads and then living out in our bodies. When the Bible uses the metaphor of walking, it's describing your manner of life, not simply taking a few steps, but your manner of life. It implies direction and intention and a destination. So you're moving toward wisdom. To walk in wisdom is to intentionally make wise choices and intentionally avoid foolish ones. How many of you know somebody who's made a foolish decision in their life? Raise your hand. Yeah, keep your hand up if one of those foolish decisions was made by you. Yeah. Yeah, we, we know that. Now point to somebody else who did worse. Don't do that, okay? Don't do that. Uh, but, but the truth is, we don't always make wise choices, but God wants us to all the time. 
what, here's the thing that you need to look for. Some people just beat themselves up terribly when they make a poor decision. Look for patterns in your life. If you're making patterns of poor choices, you're not behaving wisely. Make pattern of good choices. The Bible shows characters who made brilliant choices, loved God, pursued him, and they made some foolish choices. Nobody's perfect, but look for the pattern. What's going on regularly in your life? And if you see foolish stuff cropping up, that's a bad decision, or those are a series of bad decisions. So you need to um, take deliberate steps in a good and wise direction. That's called walking in wisdom. And Paul here describes seven areas that we can work on to develop a greater walk in wisdom. Uh, look, in verse 16, it says, redeeming the time. That's the first step. Use time wisely. Now, if you look on the screen, this picture, there's like squiggly ways coming in, and then somebody's trying to use time wisely, and now it's going out in an organized manner, an organized structure. Um, you're buying it back. That's what redeeming means. You're buying it back. You can't get more time. Time is fixed. You get 168 hours every week. And even though some of those other places, not as wise as Arizona, they fiddle with their clocks and change it every uh, twice a year. In Arizona, we take time the way God intended. We don't mess with the clock, okay? So, uh, we, but, but you're only going to get 168 hours in the week. And motivational speaker Zig Ziglar said, it's lack of direction, not lack of time, that's the problem. We all have 24-hour days. Now, um, another Christian man who teaches a Bible class in his home church was, was uh, discouraged when he felt like he wasn't using his time well. And so he was trying to do his time wisely. And as he did some research and he looked into time management, here's what he said. My key insight was that I, did, I didn't actually have a time management problem. I had a self-management problem. Time is fixed. Time is going by. I sometimes annoy my family on rare occasions. And, and they'll say, man, how did it get so late? And my response is always the same. Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> That's how it got there. It always comes at the same speed. Tick, 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 tick. Now the irony is I hate clocks that tick. Kathy loves ticking clocks, but ticking <laughs> clocks tick me off. I, I like the sweeping hand that makes no noise. So she has a couple of clocks that tick and she enjoys that, but the ones where I sit don't make noise. And, but time just creeps up. So when, when we use our time wisely, when we're redeeming the time, when we're buying the time back, we're making decisions that that time that we're spending is gonna be wisely spent. We're gonna use it in good ways. We're gonna use it in ways that could please God, that could accomplish something positive in our lives. So while challenging a group of more than 1,000 business leaders to use their time more wisely, Michael Hyatt told them they needed to get off their butt. 
not B-U-T-T, but their but, B-U-T, to get off their excuses. And he said, I could do it, but I started a new job. I could do it, but I don't have the energy. I could do it, but I have little kids at home. I could do it, but my boss is so demanding. I could do it, but, and he said, you need to stop making excuses and start doing it, whatever it is. See, you have all the time you need to do everything God wants you to do. So you say, well, I don't have time to read my Bible every day. If you restructured your life, you could find the time because we find the time for what's important. We always find the time for what seems important. So you need to make the things of God higher up on your important list, your priority list. Another writer made this observation and asked this question. One year will go by regardless of what you do with your time. Where would you like to be one year from now? Where would you like to be one year from now? A Christian pastor also reminded that no amount of organization and time management will compensate for a lack of Christian character. Using time wisely is not just, I'm gonna accomplish more and more and more and I'm gonna get quicker and faster. Honestly, you know, Kathy's one of the fastest people I've ever met. She can get dressed faster, she can do dishes faster. I, I help and I do dishes sometimes and I'm always amazed. She gets it done in half the time. And uh, she's just really quick at stuff and she sets timers for herself and works on speed. And, and, but you know, if she was doing the wrong stuff, wouldn't matter how fast she was. Using time wisely is not just getting super fast at what you do. It's doing the right things with the time that you have. Second thing that he gave us a challenge here, a thought, a way to walk in wisdom is to understand what the Lord wants to see in your life and then pursue it. Verse 17, therefore, do not be unwise. That's a really polite way of saying, don't be stupid, okay? Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the Lord wants to see in your life and then pursue it. Pursue the will of the Lord as described and defined in the scripture. So uh, what's something you know from the scripture that God wants you to do? Sorry? Love your neighbor. Pray. Cody, what'd you say? Pray? Okay. Study. Study God's word. Be honest on the job. Be honest on the job. Here. Transform your mind. Study. Tell people about the Bible, about God's love for them. See, we already know these things. And there's a lot of other things that are in here that we didn't mention. And, uh, and you know, there's an offering box in the back. God wants you to be generous toward him. That we support missions and we support the work of this church through your offerings. And, and he wants you to show love to other people. Love the Lord your God and then love the people around you. And there's lots of instruction we have in God's word. So we already know some of this stuff. And there's a second way that we learn how to follow God's will, and that's by listening to the Holy Spirit of God. As the Holy Spirit speaks into your heart and life, 
He's the one who wrote the book. Peter describes that very clearly. It was written by the Holy Spirit as he stirred men's hearts to write down God's word. But then he also speaks into our hearts, into our lives. Now, there are some people who kind of ignore the Bible and they, the Spirit's moving them here and there and doing this. The Holy Spirit leads us consistently with what he wrote to us. He doesn't change his mind. His instruction is the same. Now, there are some rules in the Old Testament that were specific for the nation of Israel and not required of any other nation. So when Kathy and I ate some bacon this morning, we were not sinning against God. But if we had been Jewish people living in the Old Testament times, we would have been sinning against God to enjoy bacon because they were prohibited from eating pigs and certain other animals. But most of the instruction in the Bible is for everybody for all time. Like, don't murder anybody. That's God's will for all time. Now, if you're defending yourself and the person attacking you dies, that's not murder. It's unfortunate. It's sad, especially if that person didn't know the Lord and they go to hell. But it's not murder. So learn God's word. You can then learn God's will. And then you can be led by the Holy Spirit of God, where he'll lead you to do certain things. I've shared before, one day I was in, when I was pastoring in another city, I went to Walmart on a Wednesday. And in that community, was it Walmart? Or K it was Walmart. It was senior discount day at Walmart. And I got over the bridge. We lived on one side of the freeway and Walmart was on the other side. We, I came up over the bridge and the parking lot at Walmart was completely full. And I said to the Lord, Lord, you know, I'm all dressed. I, I put shoes on and I'm out of the house and I can't, I'm not going to Walmart, not today. So where would you like me to go? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, go visit Harold. Um, he was a guy in our church. I have the wrong name, don't I? Do you remember his name? Okay, go visit him. And so I said, Lord, it's, it's lunchtime. I can't drop in on anybody at lunchtime. And the Holy Spirit said, go see him. And so I went, oh, and uh, I went down to visit him and I pulled up to his house and I was a little bit embarrassed and I started walking up to the door and I thought this is just really awkward to show up at lunchtime. And he threw open the door and said, Pastor, I'm so glad you're here. I have some questions. I was reading this article in Newsweek or whatever magazine he was reading and it was talking about Jesus and he said, I wondered if it's really true. And so I said, well, I don't know. I'd have to read the article. He said, well, come on in. I'm just fixing my lunch and I'll eat my lunch while you read the article and then we can talk. And I said, okay. So he sat in one room and ate his lunch. And I sat in the other room and read the article. And when he was done, then we talked about the difference between what they said about Jesus and what the Bible tells the truth about Jesus. And he trusted Christ as his savior. He's 78 years old, trusted Christ as his savior. Because that morning, he was reading that article and thinking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit knew, leave the Walmart mess and go down to this guy and talk to him. The Bible didn't say thou shalt visit this man on Wednesday when Walmart parking lot's full. But the Holy Spirit led me to do that. 
and I had the privilege of baptizing him uh, quite a while later. He was nervous about getting in front of everybody, but he was 81 when I baptized him. And, you know, he was ready to hear the message of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit knew that. And the Holy Spirit took somebody who knew the message of Jesus to his house at the exact moment that guy was ready to listen. So when we understand what the Lord wants, it's knowing his word and then listening to his spirit. It takes both. Now you can learn God's will if you'll put forth the effort to study his word and then adjust your life to God's truths. God wants you to show people what his heart looks like, that's chapter five, verse one, and who his son looks like, chapter five, verse two. So God wants you to know this and show this in your life. So God does not reveal his ways to those who are merely interested or uh, curious or to those who are a little lackadaisical about it. I've had a lot of people tell me, you know, ask me at different times over the years, Pastor, how do I know God's will for my life? I've got this thing going on. And I'll say, well, have you been studying his word? Well, you know, I, I go to church. Well, yeah, but he speaks through his word. You can learn his ways. And so Jeremiah 29, 13, God said, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's how we find the Lord. Uh, Psalm 119 verse two says, blessed are those who keep his commandments and testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. You wanna know God's will for your life? You gotta seek God. Second Chronicles 12 records some of the deeds of Rehoboam who was the king, it was King David, King Saul, then King David, then King Solomon, then King Rehoboam. And that's when the, the nation of Israel split into two countries, Israel to the north and Judah to the south. And it says in uh, 2 Chronicles 12, 14, that Rehoboam did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. So, so what will history say of you? Will it say that she followed the Lord or he pursued the things of God? What will history say of you? You need to use time wisely and you need to understand what the Lord wants to see in your life and then pursue it. Thirdly, you need to be sober. Chapter five, verse 18 begins with, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. Be sober. Our society likes to indulge in alcohol and drugs. It's very prevalent in our culture, in our society. And in fact, Kathy and I were watching a little bit of the news the other day, and there was this couple, and they were so excited because they had won this drawing, and they got a $40,000 cannabis-themed wedding. And they showed them on the news, they all looked stoned. It was bizarre, why, why, and cannabis is pot and marijuana, those of you who didn't know that. And that was the theme of their wedding. I thought, what a great foundation to build a marriage on. But see, after I studied the scripture. I was an alcoholic many years ago, 
And I studied the scripture on alcohol and I came to the conclusion that it's better if we don't drink at all. There's lots of warnings in the scripture on the dangers of alcohol and the dangers, how it distorts things and changes the way you think and feel. And, and there's, there's dangerous effects of alcohol that show up in the scripture often. And then some of us have life histories and problems with alcohol, me included. And illegal drugs are illegal. So we're supposed to obey the laws of the land as long as those laws don't contradict God's word. So if you're using illegal drugs, then that's not a good thing for a Christian to do. We obey the law and we follow God. We obey the laws unless the laws tell us you can't serve God, okay? And mind-altering drugs, which alcohol is a mind-altering drug, mind-altering drugs are actually mind-altering. They change the way your mind works. They shift your thought processes. And so don't let drugs or alcohol control your life. It spells out in scripture. There's lots of warnings. I think it's Proverbs 22 verse one says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. Whoever's deceived by that is not wise. We need to walk in wisdom. So he says, um, do not be drunk with wine when in his dissipation. Don't go there, don't live there. But then the second part of this verse gives us the next one. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled up with the Spirit. You're not gonna get more of the Holy Spirit. When you got saved, when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit came to live inside you. It's the current incarnation of Jesus, the Holy Spirit in your life. And then, uh, but so what does he mean, be filled with the Spirit? Are you gonna get an extra blessing, a second blessing, extra Holy Spirit? You're gonna go, woo, because you got so much Holy Spirit in you? No, the truth is, being filled with the Spirit is less about how much of the Spirit you have because you got the fullness of the Spirit when you trusted Christ. It's about how much the Holy Spirit has of you. How much your thoughts are centered around what the Holy Spirit wants to do as defined in scripture and as led in your life. So you're not gonna receive more of him, but you need to make sure he receives more of you. And so you're gonna let your life be controlled, guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. Before I developed a drinking problem when I was a kid and uh, I was at a, we were in the car and we're driving down the road and we, we got to a red light and there's this guy on this curb and he's trying to step down the curb, trying to get down a step, but he's obviously inebriated, he's drunk. And so he's, he's trying to step down and he can't quite do it. And then he finally gets one foot down, loses his balance, totters all over, falls back up on the sidewalk, crawls over to a pole, pulls himself up by the pole and now he has to try and get down this curb again. And so he's going and, and he's just, and I mean, my brothers and I are just laughing at this guy. My mom turns around and said, don't you laugh. That's tragic. He can't control himself because alcohol has taken over and his body's not functioning right, his mind's not functioning right, 
that's tragic, don't you laugh. I had no idea that within a few years I'd be that guy. But God changes us and God transforms us, praise God, by his mercy and grace and goodness. And you know, the way that guy was controlled by alcohol, God wants you to be controlled by the Spirit. Not so that you stand on a street corner and try and step down and can't pull it off, but so that you're moving with the Holy Spirit. You're saying what the Holy Spirit would want to come out of your mouth. You're ministering to people the way Jesus would minister to them if he were still here in the flesh. And so that's how he wants us to be full of the Spirit, to be filled with him. Your life is then controlled and guided and directed by the Holy Spirit of God. You're listening to his word. You're learning from his voice. You're following his path. That's how God wants you to live. To not be drunk with wine, to be sober, and to be filled with the Spirit. Now verse 19 then expands it beyond just between you and God and how you live. In verse 19, he says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So now you are to be making spiritual connections, to make spiritual connections. Now this is more than just liking somebody or following them on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok. Now, this is actually connecting with a human being in person. Now, I know when this text was written, they didn't have any of the cool technology that we have. And Kathy and I the other day got to have a conversation, a video chat with our younger son and his family up in Michigan. And we could see the kids and I could lean up to the camera and do silly things and they would laugh and then they'd do silly things and then we would laugh and, and it was just a fun interaction. Well, that's good if that's all you can do. But it's so much better when you can be there in person, when you can give them a hug and receive a hug, when you can talk with them and understand. And, and so God wants you to talk with people and he wants you to listen to them. And he wants you to get to know each other and share life together. And you're building bridges of connection, not walls to keep people out, but bridges of connection between you and other believers. And you and those who don't know Christ, you're helping be a bridge to bring them to Christ. So one of the reasons we gather as a church is so that we can encourage and influence each other for good and for God. That's not all we do, but that's one of the things we do when we gather together. So we can connect with people and learn together with them, you know, and and uh, you don't need to buy t-shirts that we survive the morning service together, okay? You don't do that. Uh, but, but we should interact with each other and talk with each other and listen to each other. And you need to realize that church is not all about you or what you like. It's about us together, serving God together, walking with him and making spiritual connection. 
this is what God said. This is not the words of the pastor. He said, speaking to one another. So we're communicating to one another. And then he said, one of the ways we do that is psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's when we were singing, when the kids were singing. By the way, kids, you did great. That was really phenomenal. Gwen, I can't believe you got up and sang a solo. I could never do that. That was pretty impressive. And, and uh, uh, you know, Kennedy did too. That was really cool. You guys did a good job. The kids' choir did a great job. We sing together. We're communicating. We're affirming God's word. If you notice the songs that we sing, they actually agree with the message of scripture. We're really particular about that in our church. And, and the lyrics of the songs and the songs that we sing are actually encouraging us spiritually. So you're learning God's word by singing together. And then he says, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, I don't know why it's particularly guys, there are men and boys who don't sing. Like it's not manly to sing or they just don't enjoy singing. And so they'll just sit or stand and people will be singing around them and they're just. And sometimes they'll move their lips like. But, but you know they're not singing from their heart. God's word says you're supposed to be singing. You're supposed to be singing together. Now, okay, if you don't sing well, don't stand right by the mic and sing really loudly, okay? To be honest with you, it intimidates me that I usually sit there and they set that mic up right there. It's like, I can't sing loud because I know what I sound like. And I don't want that to be out there on the recording and on the live stream. But, but sing. Sing from your heart to the Lord. And you know, I, I actually had somebody, I was a guest speaker some well, I'm sitting there on the front row sitting with this guy, I was preaching at his church and we're singing a song that I loved and I'm just belting it out. You know, I'm just worshiping God and rejoicing in him. And my friend and mentor, he leans over to me and puts his hand on my shoulder and says, you better stick to preaching, brother. <laughs> okay, it's okay if you don't sing that well, but it's not okay with God if you don't sing. This is how we minister to one another. This is how we connect. It's one of the ways in which God uses to pull his body together, the body of Christ. And so we need to use time wisely. We need to understand what the Lord wants to see in our lives and then pursue it. We need to be sober. We need to be filled with the spirit. We need to make spiritual connections but wait, there's more. Look at verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you need to be thankful. Be thankful. Are you a grateful person? If you're breathing this morning, you can be grateful to God. That's a gift from him. If you stop breathing, you can be grateful to God face to face. When you see him and thank him for the way he worked in your life on earth. God is working, as I've said many times, on you, in you, through you, with you, and for you. And those are not just words. Those are biblical truths. 
God is at work in your life so you can learn to give thanks. The scripture says he is daily loading us with benefits because he's the God of our salvation. Every day you have blessings from the Lord. Now, honestly, some days are a little hard to get through. You know, Jamie just had surgery on his carotid artery. He's got a big cut, big scar on his neck. I told him, well, I'm glad it was the doctor and not his daughter who did it. The truth is, it wasn't pleasant for him. It wasn't pleasant to know he needed that surgery. He didn't walk into that surgery prep room and start high-fiving the doctors. It's going to be a glorious day in Jesus. Well, I don't think you did. Did you, Jamie? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. All right. We can give thanks any day in any circumstances. When you lose somebody you have loved dearly, they were half of your heart and you have lost them, or they were your child or your parent. When you lose somebody that was very dear to you, then you can give thanks for the time that you had together and you can give thanks that God gives you the strength to face life and you can keep living And you can give thanks that he will never leave you. God will never leave you. We don't have that promise with any earthly person, but God will never leave you or forsake you. And you can give thanks that this separation from this one you loved, they knew the Lord, you know you'll be with them again. So there's reasons to give thanks in the middle of the worst days of your life. So be thankful. Give thanks. Because that's what God wants to see in our hearts and lives. And there's one more thing he mentions here in verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting to one another. We need to submit to one another. You are part of the family of God. You are part of the body of Christ. We are accountable to each other. Now, you kids, I know some of you are thinking, what's the word accountable mean? It means that you have a responsibility to other people. And everybody in this room who is a believer has a responsibility to everybody else in this room who is a believer. Because we're part of the same family of God. We're part of the same family of faith as we gather here. We're part of the same body of Christ as we are the church, which is the body of Christ gathered together. So we are connected with and accountable to one another, and we need to submit to each other. And that means you allow other people to speak into your life. How many of you think it's just totally cool when somebody fusses at you for something you've done? Really fun. You hope that happens this week at least seven times, right? None of us like that. But what, and by the way, God has not appointed you the self-appointed judge and critic of everybody else. But there are times when you need to speak up into somebody's life. You see them heading down a dangerous path. You need to mention to them, you know, talk to them about it and and engage with them about it. And you need to let people speak into your life. You need to let people, I tell you, one of the biggest problems Kathy and I had when we were first married is she thought I drove aggressively. I don't know what gave her that idea. 
I mean, I was just a corporal NCO in the Marine Corps. I knew exactly how to drive. And it, I, she did not enjoy riding in a car with me. And I was young and dumb, and I wouldn't let her drive. Even when I was on medication, shouldn't have been driving. I was a Marine. I could handle it. Did I mention that I was kind of stupid back then? Okay. Just FYI, I was. But see, I, what I needed to do is listen. And one of the ways in which a husband is supposed to cherish his wife, he doesn't make her feel afraid, ever. And that's one of the ways we show we're cherishing her, as Peter said in 1 Peter 3, 7. So you allow other people to speak into your life. Don't let somebody bully you. Don't let them intimidate you. Don't let them put you down. But listen to their concerns because you can learn something even from your critics. Every individual part of the body of Christ answers to the collective body of Christ. We're all accountable to the Lord. In fact, in 1 Peter 5, when Peter was writing, the apostle Peter was writing specific instruction for pastors and church leaders, he reminded them that they serve among the people even though they lead and oversee the ministry. And then he also counseled them not to act like lords over the assembly but to um, focus on being good examples to other people. So we don't focus on our own authority, we focus on our impact on other people. And that's how we do. We submit to the Lord together because we are fully accountable to each other. The end of verse 21, one of the ways we show our respect for God is to show respect for others. We submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. We show respect to God by our respect for others. So we need to walk in wisdom. Fully connected with God in the vertical relationship you have with him and fully connected with each other in the horizontal relationship we have with each other. Walk in wisdom. Now, you may be here today and have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior yet. You need to trust Him, follow Him, and He, he can transform your life. Your life might not be a mess like mine was before I got saved. Uh, you might be a good person. You still need to trust Christ as your Savior because everybody, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person. So you need to ask him to be your savior, ask him to forgive your sins, and he will. Walk in wisdom with the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that when we were at our worst, you were at your best, showing us mercy and grace and forgiving our sins. We pray that we would learn to walk with you and walk in wisdom as we walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.